Welcome back to the Coruscant Nights podcast. Thanks for joining us again. My name is Cooper. Alongside me, as always, is Mark and Jack. And today we are discussing the first three episodes of The Bad Batch Season 3, the final season. And we're just going to give you our thoughts on each of the three episodes that debuted uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, so, Mark, do you want to start us off today? Sure. I mean, obviously, we'll go in order. So we'll start with uh, episode one, Confined, directed by Saul Riz, Riz and written by Jennifer Corbett. And honestly, I think I'm not sure how most of most people feel, but I was really looking forward to Bad Batch season three because I've been, as I've said, quite a big fan of the Bad Batch. And I was not disappointed by the start of the season. I actually found all three of the episodes very enjoyable. But of course, we'll start with episode one. And honestly, what came to my mind the most, what I was thinking a lot of the time watching it, they're actually, I'm not sure if you guys noticed this or not, but it felt like there wasn't a whole lot of dialogue compared to usual. Yeah. It was a lot more like the music and the, and like displaying the set and the faces of the characters, which to me kind of added a lot of tension to the episode and left a, even in some aspects a bit of suspense. But I'm just looking forward to seeing the storyline of Omega because this is what I was thinking season two would be. But as much as I enjoyed it, I have said on the record, I think it's that season two was quite a bit of filler. So I'm still waiting to find out what's so special about Omega and why they want to take her blood. So I'm very interested to see what's going to happen there. But I'm interested to see what you guys think. Mm. Well, I mean, so I agree with a lot of the points that uh, you mentioned there. I think what really made this episode for me was that I feel like, and I don't know if this is a controversial take on it to say, but I feel like Omega is probably the most boring character of the Bad Batch in the show. I'm not saying she's a bad character, I'm just saying she's boring. But I think that what this first episode did really well is that it put a boring character in an interesting location and that created a really unique dynamic of what was going on because it was like, you really wanted Omega to succeed because she's in this yep. uh, sort of state where she feels like a prisoner and she's doing the same routine over and over and over again. And you just kind of can't really see a way out. And that's when you start barracking for her. So I thought that was really good in taking Omega, putting her in this situation where it's just so dystopian. And mm. yeah, I think that created a really interesting dynamic. Yeah, and on that point. On- yeah. On that point, I liked how, uh, as you said, with the routine, how they went through it three or four times throughout the episode to really show the repetition and yeah. make you feel almost... The, the fact that it was so similar throughout the same episode almost makes you feel the confinement that Omega's feeling. That's it, yeah. I also think you made a point before, Mark, the music as well. It felt very different to what we'd heard from the Bad Batch before. It it, it did... I know I've used this word before, but it did feel very dystopian. It was almost haunting in a sense it was just the same sort of repetition of the note i don't know if that was intentional uh given that we're talking about repetition but i i really thought that that was a nice little touch and even just some of the sound effects i loved i loved the way that the wheel turned like the mechanical wheel turn when i was uh testing the blood samples and then the little like it made um when it wasn't the right one i thought that was that was really cool but overall, overall i thought uh episode one was a great start to season three. It established um, the the current status of the whole point of the season. Yeah, very interesting. I think the only reason why I'm going to say that it wasn't the worst episode is because they released two others after it 
But I'm going to come out here and be honest here. If they released just that episode and that was it, I'd have been like, wow, like, okay, nothing that we weren't already kind of aware of at that point in time. The issue I had with it as coming from someone who doesn't hate the Bad Batch, but just doesn't appeal to, I'm not really the target. I don't think I'm the target audience for them. I love the clones, but I just don't care about the Bad Batch. I don't care about Batch 99. I just never did it in, even in the Clone Wars. I just, I didn't care about them that much, to be honest. But um, my issue was, is that, yes, I get why they did all this re repetitive stuff. We've already seen this happen, obviously, with Andor. But the difference is, is that, one, Andor is live action, so it's easier to connect with characters, acting, and plot and everything. And two, it's actually about characters I actually care a lot more about than Omega. Like, I don't like Omega. So the seeing her do the same thing over and over again was just like, this is just, this is just torture for a non non-fan kind of in a way i was just like oh just hurry up and get this episode over so i can see the actual bad batch like do bad batch things kind of thing and my overall gripe was that it was like they're trying to make it kind of like oh you know she's stuck in this never-ending prison type of thing but in the end it was like it felt because like they showed when she scratched the markings on the wall like they showed at the start how it was like not that much and they did a bit of a time jump right but i was like okay, if that was true, then how have they not picked up that, you know, that, you know how they're testing the clones thing and then um, Nalsei kept getting rid of um, Omega's blood. By then they probably would have questioned like, oh, have you tested Omega's blood like properly again yet or something? Like they would have found out by that many amount of days. So that was a solid like month and a bit. Like by then they would have probably been like, you know, we have to make some actual progress instead of just repeating the same thing. And it seems like, because they only showed us ha that happening, then, like, to be fair, she's not really in that much trouble. Like, because Nala say kept just getting rid of it. At this point in time, this whole episode was just, like, it's not the worst way to go. Like, you're not really, you know, you're not getting tortured. You're not getting really mistreated that badly. She's just living in, a, like, a cell, basically. But I was like, I don't know. It just didn't feel as intense as it I did now. Like... I did think on that point, actually, that the fact that they keep running the same tests every day and expecting yeah. different results, yeah. that part, like, I, I did, I mean, that was a bit funny. Yeah, like, by then, you would have a different course of action or at least oversee it yourself as Hemlock should have, you know what I mean? Like, why? Yeah. No offense, Hemlock's meant to be this smart doctor and everything, but, like, oh, yeah, he's, he's still going to mainly trust Nalase because Omega's there. Like, oh, yeah, like, she's not, she, you already know she's not a big fan of you. Like, you surely would know something might be happening. But I don't know. I think it was just a lot of random stuff happening that was just kind of like, okay, I mean, it's cool. Like, we're getting Star Wars content. I'm not... But I I, di I didn't really think anything of it, I don't think, after that. Like, that first episode was just like, yeah, something happened. Some things happened. Here they are again. This is the start of the season. Let's just progress on to the next episodes. That's my overall take on it, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Mark, do you want to kick us off with uh, episode two? Uh, yeah, if you want me to, I'll go through that as well. So episode two was titled Paths Unknown, directed by Nate Villanueva and written by Matt Miknovet. Hopefully I said all those names correctly. Anyway, so I was actually, I was actually a bit surprised that we didn't see most of the Bad Batch in the first episode. And in the same way, I probably shouldn't be, but I was a bit surprised we didn't see Omega and Costa in episode two. I was kind of expecting maybe between both of those episodes, they would cross between them. But I think, as Jack said, the fact that they released it 
as three, you know, three episodes in one. I don't think I minded too much. We get to see what's going on with Omega and Crosshair. We get to see what's going on with the rest of the Bad Batch, and then it starts coming together in the later season. But I think I think personally, I enjoyed episode one a bit more, but I still quite enjoyed episode two. I mean, seeing um, the other two, what is it, um, Hunter and Wrecker. Wrecker, that's it. Thank you. Yeah. Seeing them with with the uh, smaller clones, the regs, if you want to call them that, yeah. as children. I like seeing that dynamic. Even I actually found it quite funny that the kids even knew about like Clone Force ninety nine and and calling them defectives, considering they're so young. But it was good to see how they how they interacted with each other, and even the three kids had the the disagreement amongst each other. But in the end, as true clones do, as a family of brothers, they came in to help each other in the end. But I think I liked the action, but it was a bit, you know, it was vines. Mm. It wasn't the greatest of enemies that they fought against, but in the end, yeah, I liked I liked the episode and I enjoyed seeing how they had to follow the all the clues to try and find their way to Omega. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm probably a bit more on the fence about this episode than you, Mark. Uh, one of the details that I only found out about recently the clone cadets like the little the little kids they're voiced yeah. by julian dennison and guess what <laughs> missed the other one too i mean i don't, I don't know if you're yeah, gonna say who else did i miss daniel logan the young boba fett actor from oh really he was the leader the one that they went to the like the two out of two brought him into the camp the main dude in the camp oh yeah, okay. a different voice yeah yeah yeah, yeah no cool. that was that was um a good bit of uh, voice acting detail. Nice touch. Yeah. Uh, look, I didn't love this episode. I thought it felt very empty. The Bad Batch feels very empty without Tech and Crosshair and even um, Echo and even Omega. Her presence now that you see the Bad Batch with without with only two people, it just even Omega's presence. You put her in there, and it still feels a bit more complete. But I just, I didn't resonate with the journey that they went on. I understand that they're going to all lengths to try and find Omega, but it just, it wasn't very engaging for me. I think I tuned out about halfway thing and are we actually going to get somewhere this episode? What are we, what are we doing? What are we working towards? You're going off a bit of unreliable information. You think that there might be a data pad in there that's still operational and then it, did they end up, I can't even remember, did they end up um, accessing the data? Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. so I guess I that was kind of funny how Wrecker was carrying the gonk droid the whole. Episode oh, that's right. That as that's well. right. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. So look, I I didn't really find this episode that great. I would probably say it was the weakest of the three. But I also think, like I said with the first episode, it at least established the goals of Hunter and Wrecker. It's mm. we've gotten our foundation for what the goals are, what the motivations are now. And now everything else moving forward should be story related. What are we doing to achieve these goals? So I think that it's set up the season very well, but I just didn't really resonate with this episode at all. Yeah. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it feels a bit, I don't know about you guys, but Obviously, we love Star Wars because we have this channel and we talk about it all the time. But I'm kind of getting sick of always 
always having the same sort of complaints for these new Star Wars projects. But it's not like, I don't think they're, like, maybe some people might not agree, but even everyone's kind of unanimously agreeing upon this episode, right? It's, you get 20 minutes-ish of, of content, right? But, like, it takes so long for them to make all these, you know, seasons and stuff. And when you're doing, when you're, you know, animating all this stuff, how do you think, oh, yeah, people have waited always so long for this. Let's just put in some random, like, weird action scene and say these two characters are looking and then that's it. It feels like such a waste of people's time and, and effort working on it. I feel like they could do so much more grander things with animation too. So when they keep themselves so limited and so, like, filler-esque, like, it, it kind of feels like, well we wait so long all the time for new Star Wars content and then it just kind of comes out and it's not bad. It's not amazing, but it's just, yeah, it's something there. But like, I think that's my overall issue with this episode too. It, I was, I'm on the same page with you, Cooper, towards the later, later half when they were fighting the vines and stuff. I was just like, yeah, what kind of like, let's just get to episode three. Cause I know that's going to obviously go back to Omega and stuff. And um, I did like, however, the only big touch i loved a lot actually was a slither vine so they said that the empire actually were testing on it so i was like whoa is the empire trying to like test on random natural growing things to use them as weaponry or defenses for their like their hidden secret bases i thought that was pretty cool i was I like, like oh, that, that touch as well yeah i was like they can utilize these slither vines to protect what experimentation yeah yeah experimentation is always cool we always like that stuff so i thought that was cool the cadets cool niche touch again but i didn't really you don't connect with them because they're just random kind of, they're not like C-3PO cameos, but they're still a cameo. It's not like they're vital really to the st overall story that much. I can say, however, I am so happy that they are following still with the main narrative of this, but I hope that there's also a greater sort of plot towards the later half of the season, because obviously with how we'll talk about how episode three ended, I don't know how they're going to, if it is the only story, how they're going to drag this out for like the entire season. And if they're going to, because then if they do, that means there's going to be a lot of filler episodes or like a lot of things where it's like, oh, the Bad Batch happened to run into this person because Hemlock has access, oh, that's episode three, he has access to all the Imperial stuff. So I'm like, oh, this is just going to go on a wild goose chase again. But um, I did, however, enjoy the vibe of it. I thought the vibe of it was still pretty like spooky. It kind of a bit more, you know, animated thriller, scary, like, oh, mm. around the corner kind of thing. I think the issue is that the Bad Batch is a collective. They weren't really together. We didn't even get to, like, it was like this episode was about these two only, but then last episode was not even about, like, they weren't in it either. So it just feels very dis kind of connected and kind of viewing. But then episode three kind of ties it a bit, a little bit better because then it kind of concludes this little three. three. I like to say that the, these three episodes are kind of one. It's a mini arc. Yeah, like once again, it's kind of like one whole episode. So it's like, if you look at it that, then it's not bad. It's just on its own, I don't think it's great. But I also did like the start. I thought, oh, I forgot the, who they called again. It was, like a, it was like a Jabba's palace sort of yeah, scene. I just thought that was really cool. Durant nice Prime family. That's the one. Yep. I love seeing different kind of, I don't want to say like villains of the franchise, but just like independent systems and independent like kind of gangs that you just see. Like underworld. Yeah, the underworld. I love seeing that. So I thought that was a cool start to the episode. It got me interested for a start too, yeah. but I, it didn't really do much for me. It was kind of just like, it was literally just like a, a pathway for the next one, to be honest. Like just a little stepping stone. So yep. yeah. Yep. Very good. All right. I'm going to start off episode three. So this was called Shadows of Tantus and it was directed by Stuart Lee and written by Matt Mishnevitz. 
first thing I want to say, and I'm I'm hoping you guys agree with me. Omega kicking that mouse droid out of the elevator was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> that was the hardest I've laughed at an animated Star Wars episode in a very long time. It was, it was so unnecessary. <laughs> it was so unnecessary, but it was just so hilarious when she did it. You know what? I saw a mouse droid, but I must have looked away that bit because I don't remember her kicking one. He's about to get through the door with her. She just like kicks him. Oh, I, must have, I must have missed her kick it. Oh, that's such a shame. It's so funny. Yeah. It is so funny. It was so unnecessary, but they just added it in. It's so funny. It's like anyway. quick in seconds, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. This was a great episode. This was the best of the three episodes. It was kind of like what Jack was saying. It was kind of the f- finish to the mini arc, I suppose. Um, I feel like, first of all, Omega and Crosshair got away very easily mm-hmm. for such a very well-secured base. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also the fact that it happened on a day where all of the ships were grounded because the Emperor, I'll speak about him in a bit, but uh, because he was there, that just seemed like, okay, they went up against the most difficult of odds and still managed to get out. It was like, we don't need to have it be difficult every time. Just find another day. Anyway. Loophole, yeah. I guess they did set up the stakes of the episode where it was kind of, you know, Omega's blood had been tested and it was like, okay, you got to get out of here now or else something bad's going to happen. So I understand in that sense. But I, I just think it was... Uh, things always seem to be a coincidence when happen, they, yeah is it the force or something like is everything just happening always <laughs> Maybe. For luck? Is, you know luck is a force you know yeah, yeah. um Ian McDermott came back voicing Papa Palpatine's when... which was um good to hear his voice again good to hear he's still um I would say a big part of the current Star Wars media which is good um and i guess even i'll go into this later but even with the disney projects that are going on post return of the jedi he's still pretty much the central figure around what's happening in that time period and we did get connections to kind of what's going on so his we did hear the name drop of project necromancer back in the mandalorian season three by the shadow council uh we finally kind of understand what that is we still don't know what exactly it is but we understand it's the cloning initiative so it'll be cool to see that kind of you know come to fruition and obviously we're probably going to get some big reveals with that later on uh but just even the emperor's presence on screen i feel like this was very different to what we normally expect from the emperor i feel like he had a deep respect for dr hemlock uh and i don't know if that's just because he was the only one who's willing to do cloning which by the way or experimentation on cloning which by the way i feel like is really messed up you look at human history and uh similarities to that effed up it's gross anyway um i really liked his presence on screen and i think that that was probably the main sort of it was he kind of bought the vibe across it was it bought a new aesthetic it was darker it was more sinister it was more um well it was, it was darker i used that that word before but it was just very much yeah so I, I i liked his presence on the screen i think it was really good and yeah i think i don't have much else to add i think it's i'll be interested to see where it goes after this but overall they're away from tantus i don't think this is the last we'll see of tantus at all i think nala say is in very big trouble and I'm excited to see what happens. Mm. Mm. Jack, do you yeah. want to go? Yeah, yeah sure. Let's... All right, let's change it up. Um, let's just say um, I really do actually enjoy, I think Crosshair, obviously because he's 
probably my yeah he's my favorite character in the show definitely but i think he also just helps elevate omega to be a bit more likable too because you can see the vast kind of different differences that they have like obviously how he was saying in the previous episode how she trusts too easy but he's also very like kind of skeptical about everything everything's like down and and kind of hopeless but seeing seeing their dynamic together makes me like her a lot more so I do kind of like that whole thing. And I, I will, the thing that led me on a lot in this episode was getting to see the reaction of Crosshair and the OG Bad Batch together again and just see how that interacts. Or I think I'm more just interested to see... This is a bit of a thing, but I like to see how they end up. I'm very interested to see that kind of thing because you obviously don't see them much more after all, all this because they don't really get mentioned any in any other after media, after all this Empire kind of crazy stuff so i'll be more interested to see how they all find their fate or if they just go off and try and live on an island like season two but episode more is probably a bit more focused because of emperor so because obviously they're leading to obviously probably tying in with the sequels which i don't know if i like hate it or don't mind it but i don't think i love it like i think it'll make it i think it'll make the sequel kind of if it is linking it'll make it better for me, like rewatching it, because at least they had a plan before. You know what I mean? It doesn't feel like Emperor just kind of randomly appeared out of nowhere, kind of thing. And it would make more sense well, for the team returned. Yeah, but it would it would make a lot more sense for that line yeah. too, because they wouldn't know about all the testing that they did on Mount Tantus and stuff if they do keep it a secret. So I get that, but I still don't like it because I don't like how they even brought the Emperor back, kind of. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I think that's where I'm kind of struggling because I'm like, this would be really cool if that whole end product was actually cool, you, you know what I mean? And I then completely seeing, agree. Yeah. That's and exactly how I feel. Easily Ray beat that kind of weirder version of the Emperor at the end. Just feels like, oh, all this significant build-up just ends up being to nothing, which I think taints kind of this season's plot, in my opinion, if, if that makes sense. Like, you know the outcome to it. It doesn't feel as scary or as powerful because you know how it ends. And I think that's always my issue when they do prequel stuff because but then it can also work you know what i mean like obviously when george made the original trilogy you knew how darth would end up but you still had that same so i'm not saying not every time prequels don't work but for the sense of a storyline that they made up two weeks before shooting and now all this other media is like oh he's been planning this since way like before you know he died in return and everything like he knew he was you know and it makes you question like is this so because it's still pretty early obviously in um kind of the ot era is whatever in that is whatever is in that tube is that a pre kind of snoke look or is it him trying to just make his own body again kind of you know what i mean but then thinks that mm. might not work and then ends up reverting <laughs> to the snoke thing which might be used with grogu's one but with omega's blood in this one i think i think the reason why she's such a in a big deal i don't think people some people online are saying oh you know she's force sensitive or something could be i hope not but i reckon it's just because maybe because of how i don't know if this makes sense but how late she was kind of created or cloned that maybe she just has a stronger kind of dna of the clone like the clone dna rather than like it's like aging like you know how they age slow and stuff but like all them now are kind of already like aging or like old already kind of thing like she's like fresh kind of still got strong DNA, I guess you could say. So that's why it latches onto the Empress Force a bit better. But, um, or midi count, what they say in it. 
I, I really like the laser room and everything. I like the chambers. I like, it, like you said, I think the reason why I like the cloning stuff so much though is because it's got kind of that history in like, oh, it's really messed up, but it's also like really serious for like kind of like the story and, and Star Wars taking a bit more of a serious mature tone, which I like instead of them just saying, oh, you know, he just, yep, he just wants to take out the goodies because they're trying to ruin the empire kind of thing, you know, like, oh, this is a serious plan that cannot be released because, you know, it's him getting cloned. Like if anyone knew about that, then that would have already been taken down already, you know, by the rebels or even not Luke at this time, but any, any other kind of remaining Jedi. But I think this episode was superiorly better than the other two. I really liked how it ended, but I think because the other two felt so like, Oh, we already knew kind of where it was going in the sense of the testing, the blood and, Omega's getting removed in the first one. It was kind of already known how this whole... Th but after watching the first episode, you kind of knew how, like, the end would happen for episode three, if that makes sense. Mm. So, like, I'm happy that it was good, episode three. But then again, I'm like, I hope that they extend upon this much further in the future ones. Otherwise, it's just going to be, like, another long stretch of one small thing, which I'm going to be angry if that happens. I'll be honest. But overall, much better. Much more serious tone. A lot of weird plot inconvenience uh, conveniences for the sake of getting them off, but still good, still good. Yep, I, I agree with uh, pretty much everything you guys have already said. Uh, so I'll just I'll try and be a bit brief. Uh, I I enjoyed how Crosshair and Omega, as you said, Jack already kind of their relationship. Now I would say it's starting to improve and grow because at the start, especially in episode one, you know, Crosshair is just saying. Don't even bother. We're stuck here. And then by this episode, and he, and he says, don't save me if you're going to escape either way. But, and then seeing how Omega is going to risk her life just to save him, how it's kind of bringing him back, not just to her, but to the Clone Force 99 itself. And I, and I also look forward to seeing their reunion, hopefully in the next episode. Uh, one of my, I don't know if I, I, I very much enjoyed the episode, but one of my gripes, which has already been covered by you two, is the Emperor visited Mount Tantus. He's obviously the most important and most well-guarded person in the whole galaxy, and yet they still managed to escape the the facility. Like, just was the fact the that the shit... Hmm? Like, was, was that the Emperor... Like... I you can't really sense them kind of you know what I mean like he wasn't made aware really like because wasn't he flying off kind of at the same time-ish or before he, he flew off before but to be fair he's probably more concerned with the like you know preserving the future than actually worried about this clone leaving like he's not yeah, worried about I don't even way. mean like I don't mean them flying off I mean the, the actual physical escape from the facility like oh, there should oh, be yeah. This should, this should be maximum plus security for the well, Emperor. Well, we do see that. We do see that. There's clone commandos instead of regular... Oh, but there's always been clone commandos there. I don't think there was that much extra troops, to be honest. I think the issue that I'm kind of grasping from Mark is that these clone commandos are meant to be elite, and we know that from previous media and stuff too. But that it doesn't feel like... They say how protected this facility is, but then the clone commandos don't do really anything. Crosshair just kind of two-taps them with a couple of fists, and that's really it, you know what I mean? So I'm like... Yeah, he just punches him and goes, yep, I've done it. So it's like, well, I agree with Mark in that sense. But if it was like, I think if we were from the perspective of the Empire, they would have taken him out because the clone commanders are actually good. But in this show, it makes them feel like, oh, 
they're just a little bit better than the regs or like yeah. regular stormtroopers, but they're not better than the bad batch, you know. But I'm like, no, they should still be like almost on par. Like, I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But I'm thinking even just troop numbers. They brought more in. But if you say if you think of the president of the United States or say the king, King Charles, if if all of these people went somewhere, there would be utmost security, bring in a heaps of police and services but, and so on. And I feel like that they didn't really do that as much for the Emperor. But they were all around the Emperor's ship, which always happened. Yeah, exactly, exactly. They should be there, but they should be over the whole facility as well. I agree with that, but I think that's just the this is classic Emperor move where he's just like, yeah. oh, protect where he lands and leaves. Exactly. Rather than yep. Like that's the only exit to the whole back. No, that's of course that's not the only exit. But I think they're more just like, oh, if we get him down safely and he leaves out the the main gate safely, then that's a W for them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. Take it around the facility or like, oh, let's not hope the emperor veers off course. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And then I'll, I'll I'll leave that point where it is, and I'll go on. I'll just give a quick mention to as Cooper said, Project Necromancer. I look forward to finding out more about this and, and how it relates to the Mandoverse and the Shadow Council and all of that. But I also enjoy, this is something that hasn't been mentioned, uh, I believe her name is Emery, the scientist. Yep. She is supposedly a clone herself. And I I actually quite enjoyed the dynamic and the relationship between her and Omega. It was the same thing I said with Crosshair. The more time Omega seems to spend with them, the more attached they sort of seem to grow. So when, for example, she caught them about to leave, she offered, I'll let you, if you come back, I won't tell anyone that you tried to escape. And they've they've had scenes showing her face where you can see on her face, which might I add is great animation, that she she's getting, I don't know if I'd say worried, but she's starting to think about the consequences that might happen to Omega. If she keeps mm. causing trouble and mischief. Mark, may I just say something on, on that note? Yes. I I just I didn't even notice it until now. I know it's not the same glasses, but she really does look like a female version of tech. Look at That's... look at my phone. She like the same visor color, the same kind of structure, just a female. Well, she had red glasses, I believe. But like, you know what I mean? Like the seeing the eyes through the slit. Yeah. Like, a very science scientist look. Yeah, scientists look. I'm like, oh, that's yeah. a kind of a nice one. Maybe, you know, she's going to be the new tech on the team with the medical stuff. Who knows? <laughs> and he, he's, uh, I've just actually, I've only just thought about this because I've got the, I've had the uh, episode synopsis open in front of me. And the the thing they're searching for in the blood, they call the M count. Yeah. Surely this is not Metachlorine. Yeah, it's, it is. Because they mentioned it in the Mandalorian when they're talking about Grogu as well. He has a high M count. Yeah. How yeah. would this is going to be very interesting to see what happens because how can a clone have midichlorians? Everyone has midichlorians. Yeah. Remember they? Like, yeah. It's like they don't have a lot of it, but it's more like what can not like they need to find an M count that just doesn't immediately perish under someone with a lot of midichlorians if they merge them together. If you spice someone with a high M count, that's just going to abolish that one, and then that one's going to be on its own kind of thing. It will be it will be very uh, interesting to see if if uh, Omega has the Force. Yeah, if she can wield the Force. That'll be an interesting thing to see. And yeah, on the topic, I wonder if if 
any of this has any consequence on Ray, if it has anything to do with Palpatine's son, for example, leading on to Ray. Oh, hot twist. He's actually in the chamber. He's testing on his son. Oh. Oh. It'll be very, very intriguing to see where they go with this. What creates... Create, he's meant to create a younger version of himself, but instead makes. I uh, hope, I makes hope a, not. I hope it doesn't have anything to do with Ray. But the way <laughs> things, are, the way things are going, it, there's be. a chance. Wouldn't it be? Wouldn't it be funny if, like, the entirety of the backstory of everything in the sequel trilogy is set up by the Bad Batch? <laughs> that would be hilarious. The Bad Batch were the ones to almost stop the whole sequel trilogy from happening, but oh. no, they would do it. <laughs> be your favorite series. Yeah, it would be. No, 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 no. It wouldn't be because I was trying to say that, oh, they they could have stopped the whole sequel trilogy from happening with all this cloning stuff, but then they yeah. failed. That, that would annoy oh, yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. Be, if they succeeded and ended this, they're going to wreck on the sequel. Oh, yeah. Nice. But also, when when are we going to see Rex? And also, remember in the trailer, we saw a Sarge Ventress. I want to know where she's going to come into Apparently, too, in a different suit of armor. So, Who? what? Commander Cody. Yes, yes. I wonder if we'll see when we'll see him as well. And also, where there was that, this is kind of glossed over a little bit. No one really mentioned it anyway. Um, there's that new clone, or like almost looks like a bounty hunter. He kind of wears black armor. He's got like green face paint. Yeah, he was in episode three. He was in there for like ten seconds. They showed him being menacing. That's true. He was just standing there menacingly. Yeah, as all um, the clones do. That's true. Um, yeah. Speaking on that, I, I, I thought Mark was going to mention this, but I think because we have a lot of talk to talk about, we forgot it uh, briefly. But I think this is how Asajj is going to get in with the Hemlock having all power to the Empire. I think he's going to somehow figure out connections that aren't directly related to like Darth and or Emperor. So he probably look, look for a bounty hunter, but then someone will mention, "Oh, there's a bounty hunter in the galaxy that has a lightsaber," and he'll go, "Hmm." That will do just justice, and it will like bring in Asajj to hunt him down or something. Even though it's still going to not make sense how they bring Asajj back, but they write comic books all the time, so who knows? <laughs> Very true. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Does that end our bad batch discussion? That's for now, for this week for sure. Yeah. Mm. I think we're going to come back in blocks of episodes. We're not going to do it every week because we've got other stuff we want to talk about. But um, we'll definitely keep you posted with our thoughts um as the season progresses and also given that you know the acolyte has been announced to be dropping in july we will be getting hopefully soon more content around the acolyte soon so i'll be able to discuss that more is it, Pretty, is it i think it, it was july. july it was one of the jays it might have been june it might have been june of the jays i know for a fact one of the jays yeah Anyway, so I think it and it, it starts a couple of weeks after this show ends. So mm-hmm. you know, we'll we'll have more time to discuss the acolyte as well. But um for the moment, yeah, that's that's it. Thanks to Ben and Keita again for their continual support. We appreciate them as always. If you wanna follow up or follow us on social medias, um we're at Coruscant Nights, we're on all the platforms. And yeah, I think think that'll do us. So thanks for watching and we'll see you see you next week. Thanks everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.